Stop whining, Yuri. Like murder. How, how can you so justify So he was murdered. I have no problem with that. The man was a pig. But it's a decision we should have all made together. You are not in command here. If the crew finds out, we could have a mutiny. What the hell talking about? Nonsense. They could kill us all. That's right. Everything that happens on this ship affects us all. Master at Arms is on the right. right. We could still go back. You know. All we have to say is There'll be no going back. Before we sailed, I dispatched a letter to Admiral Bedoran, in which I announced our intention to defect. Happy Sunday, little brother. Last Sunday of August 2020, August 30. Yeah, I guess that's right. Somehow we've, um, well, the months have obviously just been drifting by, so I guess it's... We're all adrift. Uh, Life is adrift. That is the truth. Which uh, interesting that we're talking about drifting. <laughs> <laughs> this week's movie is a little bit about drifting uh, in the waters. A little bit off the uh, uh, the uh, North Atlantic Ocean. So uh, th- this is uh, this is Hunt for Red October week. I've been um, I've been looking forward to this uh, particular uh, movie and this particular scene and the topic. Uh, so just a real quick rundown again, hunt for red October, a 1990 film, uh, directed by John McTiernan. Uh, I know he's done some other things, but I can't recall real quick. So the cast, fantastic cast, Sean Connery as Marco Ramius, Alec Baldwin as, uh, as you claim to be the superior, better superior Jack Ryan. Uh, Josh Ackland, uh, Tim Curry, Peter Fur, Scott Glenn, James Earl Jones, Jeffrey Jones, Richard Jordan in a great, great uh, role as Jeffrey Pelt, the NSA uh, advisor, Sam Neill uh, as uh, Borodin, Stellan Skarsgård as Captain Tupolev. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's, it's great, yeah. Uh, and then Fred Dalton Thompson uh, rounding out the, the 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 big players in the cast, so just a great cast, great movie, uh, based on a Clancy book uh, by the same name. Uh, I actually read uh, several of those books: uh, Cardinal of the Kremlin, Hunt for Red October, uh, certainly some of the you know the the Harrison Ford. Uh, installments you know when he became uh, when he ascended to the role of uh, Jack Ryan all really good books actually so again book movie great cast and the line today yeah um, there'll be no going back it's uh, no going back we, we could all do our uh, Sean Connery impressions that'll be the outtakes for the episode surely um, that's right but um you know, I was. You mentioned Richard Jordan, who uh, is in the last of his couple roles at this point, uh, in his great roles that he's in, um, has this great line that I think of way too often, which is, I'm a politician. If I'm not kissing babies, I'm stealing their lollipops. And I feel That's like right. that is just. And he does it with a smile, which I think is even better. Yeah. Like he knows he's being kind of a jerk, and I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, There'll be no going back. And not to get off on Richard Jordan, but he was in uh, The Secret of My Success as well. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, you know, Michael J. Fox was in that movie. So, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of 
good good feelings about Richard Jordan, a great actor. Yeah, um, and certainly this was some of his lightweight stuff, but uh, you know I think he's done some some better better roles uh, in his his career and died too soon, as far as I can tell from his yeah. his autobiography his biography. So yeah, um, but there'll be no going back. Yeah, um, I feel like echoes so many great lines of literature. Uh, you know, uh, you 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 can never go home again. Um, you know, so in this con in the context of the scene, um, you know, for those of you that don't know, the hunt, hunt for October is about a a Soviet uh, crew which is defecting to the U.S. Um, you know, out of the tyranny of submarine crew. What did I say? You said crew, but submarine. submarine. And I, They're I, underwater. I, yeah, I think that that's above the water. yeah. Um, right. Uh, still drifting. Still drifting. Still At drifting. the times drifting. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, so. You know, this kind of uh, romanticized idea too of of you know how terrible things are in the Soviet Union at the very end of at the very end of the Soviet Union, and uh, they're escaping, um, and you know, uh, Sean Connery's character, the captain, informs the crew that he's sent a letter. Um, informing them, informing the Kremlin that this crew is defecting with one of the submarines, which, uh, you know, we should really discuss this uh, in some ways. Like, there would be no movie if he had not sent that letter. No they, movie. It'd just be, they would, they would get to the other side and they would pop out and that would be it. And it would be like... Yeah, no, and, and I think that's the beauty of the Clancy book, yeah. right? The The... the there are a lot of technical elements in the Clancy books, right? Yeah. That he brings forward with just wonderful plum. He he does a fantastic job. He's you know, and again, he passed away I think fairly young as well, and he had a lot of connections within the military industrial complex and just knew a lot of uh, you know seemed like military history, the mechanics of it, and so he would bring a lot of that forward in his books, but the story. It, it yeah. If he doesn't send that letter to Admiral Padorin, he who's his uncle or his wife's uncle, I guess yeah. his deceased wife's uncle, that movie it, you know it sinks. Again, we'll carry that. We'll carry the bad metaphors forward here, but you know it it, it, it sinks right there. Yeah. I mean, they're not even they're not even past you know uh, the uh, Polyarni uh, shipyards and it's over. Yeah. Right and. Uh, and so, I, I think that you know the, the and it's very much a cat and mouse kind of movie after yeah. that, right? And um, I, I I love the I love the movie and I love the scene. You know the the masticating. You know he's eating and and the way he and of course he has no Russian accent. I mean let's no, come he's, on. He's Sean Connery he's, in every he's role. A, like he's yeah, never Scottish. Yeah. And and so you know, there's no Russian accent, but you know the it, it's a speaking of food, it's just a delicious scene that <laughs> that dinner scene with his 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 leadership team with him there in the mess hall on the boat, and he he lets them know, you know, as you were saying, I, you know, I've sealed our fate. Yeah, here there is no going back. Yeah. Um, he tells that great story in there that when when Cortez got to the New World, he burned his ships. Um, 
you know, I, I think there's kind of this, um, you know, he, he doesn't really get into why he sends the letter other than he feels like it's, it's like the gentlemanly thing to do. The diplomatic thing to do is to say, we're done with you. Um, we're leaving. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot like the Declaration of Independence, right? Like they could have avoided making a list of reasons and signing their names, um, but they did it anyway because that was the, the thing to do in 18th century society. You know, you say, yeah. um, we're tired of you. And um, I think in some ways, you know, to get into sort of the, the philosophical aspect of it, which is what I know uh, why we picked it, is you, you kind of have to do that. Sometimes you have to say, I'm done with something in order to move on. Um, in order to, to, to reach the new world, in order to, to build the new life, in order to do the new thing, um, you have to draw a line in the sand. And I think that for him, um, you know, there's, there's a process of aging, obviously, right? He's in grief. Um, he's done living his life a certain way. And he knows that the best way to kind of make sure that he can't go back is to send that letter. Um, and then, you know, there's kind of the question of, like, do, does he really care whether they... I mean, obviously, he cares whether they live or die, but he knows what's going to happen. Um, in some ways, he's anticipating every move um, of, of the Kremlin, of his own student who is, uh, you know, Stellan Skarsgård's character, right? Tupolev, Tupolo, Tupolo, whatever. Tupolev. Um that he he knows exactly how this process is going to go that uh you know the tactics he's going to use everything in some way in that he feels like they have to fight for it they can't they can't just sort of um be cowards and sneak away uh you have to you know you have to burn your ships and and i think that's kind of what what he knows that they have to do at this point even though i think the younger people in that crew don't understand it they want to sneak away and effect and that be it you know um yeah yeah i think there's a i i agree with all that i think there's also an element of you know and again this would all be theory at this point gosh what was that 30 years ago right um so he was a young man at that point 60 (laughs) uh sean connery and so he just turned 90 that you know you inform me and i did see the news story so the to to me it it it's it's about regret and having regret of hey I took an action and this the way that he advanced the 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 steps here he even if he were to have regret and want to change direction he could not do that under the circumstances given you know that he sent the letter because he goes back he's a dead man he's a dead man either way in his mind yeah he's like if i can just get this thing away and and this this submarine and and who knows I, i presume now that that technology exists it's a it's it's designed to get as close in the movie again an act of fiction as far as we know Hopefully. To get as close as it can, yeah, to the the coastline of the United States in order to then release its you know uh, multiple 
missiles with multiple warheads on them, right? So there's very little time for the enemy, who in this case would be the United States, to react, right? And so he sees that as somewhat, you know, going back to your point earlier, a defiance of the gentleman's agreement that, you know, we're not going to play those types of games, even though in war, I mean, that, that cold or hot, that goes without saying that there's going to be sort of, you know, some not-so-gentlemanly moves. And so the, 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 the accent on which he, he brings that forward is his wife's death, right? So here he was, a, you know, high-ranking Soviet naval officer, all kinds of, you know, prestige and, and exclusivity and, and, and all those kinds of things. And yet he couldn't save his wife because of this broken system that, that who knows what it's like today, but one can imagine existed back in the Soviet Union, right? And uh, that, that really was the accent on, the, on, the, on sort of the bittersweet music that he had kind of now become accustomed to being part of the party and, and all that. And so I think that that's interesting... And, and so what does that say about regret? You know, that to me, that's kind of the, to, from my perspective, how do, you, how do you deal with regret? How do you try to find change when you can't really change? Because <laughs> you've already done it. You've already made the decision to defect or to do whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think to an extent, um, it's it's a it's a failsafe for him that he knows it would be. Um, uh, you say he he'd be a dead man, and I think that's actually not true. I think if he turned around and went back, they'd be so interested in burying it um, that mm. they would ignore it. That they would say, "Oh no, no, peace, everything's fine." You know, I, I think there was so much of that. Um, <clears throat> you know, in, in sort of the Soviet political system of, of denial, essentially, right. Of like, yeah, going back to last week. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that would be the, the sort of response that they would go for that. I think, um, he knows it would be easy to slide back and, um, you know, go back to the life that he had and, and call it a day. And I think he knows that by, sending the letter and actually going out and, you know, and, and, you know, trying to defect and, and even, you know, fighting a sort of mini battle with his own army, uh, with his own Navy rather, um, <clears throat> you know, I think he knows that there's no returning from that. And so he has to create that situation. And I think to some extent there is that kind of, yes, he's an older man, it's it's sort of I think it's implied at one point that it's kind of his last command, like it's the last sort of thing he's you yeah. know he's going to retire or he's getting to that age, um, you know. And I think the younger members of the crew don't see it. They've got their whole lives ahead of them. So why are they going to risk? You know, they want to defect, but they don't want to risk their lives in the process. And I think for him, he sees it as he has nothing left to lose, and so. Right. Um, you know, how much does, does regret sort of play into that? I, it's hard to say. I mean, I think we all have um, 
kind of those regrets, but I don't know that any I don't know that anyone in this conversation at least has the kind of regret where you're willing to like burn it all down necessarily. Um, which which you know to extent to an extent he does, and I think he sees. Um, I think the book actually does go into this a bit more. That he sees how he's played a role in the eventual development of a weapon that is only offensive. Like, it's not meant to defend the Soviet Union. It's meant Mm -hmm. to be an attack mechanism and bring on the end of the world, essentially. And I think he sees it and finally has that kind of, you know, Oppenheimer-esque moment of, like, you know, I am become death um, and and stops it versus, you know, Oppenheimer, who, of course, keeps it going. Um, Or kept it going, rather. Um, and I, I think there's right. By the time he said those words, it was too late. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> by the by the time he sort of acknowledged it, yeah. So I mean, I think in in Ramius's case, there's kind of this, you know, I've been a part of the system, you know, I've lost a lot at this point. I'm old, um, you know. What can I do to? What can I do now at the very end, towards the end, um, to actually fix the problems that I have created? Uh, and that's that's not something that happens in an ordinary life, right? Like, I don't think that that's, like, an ordinary thing that most people go through. I think that's something, in his case, he was very successful uh, throughout his years in, in the Soviet Navy, through the Soviet, you know, uh, political system, et cetera. And I think he sees, finally, I mean, who knows how long he's been planning to defect. Um, we, we never really get an answer to that. Um, but... Uh, you know, it's it's surely not a decision taken lightly. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine anyone takes such a decision lightly. Uh, but he knows that it's the right decision, and he knows he has to go sort of guns blazing, as it were, or, you know, Caterpillar drive blazing, um, you know, into it. And I think that um, sometimes you do really just have to go full steam ahead with something. And I think... Um, and not to make sure that you don't have you know room for regret like to not create more regret um in this case you know by risking their lives right that like well either we're gonna defect or we're gonna be dead like there's no there's there's no going back and right you know if if they get caught there's no survival so well and i yeah i think that that says something about the, the the element of, you know, call it regret or past actions or, or whatever it is that, you know, you can't, to, to dwell on that and get caught up in that, you, you, you're not serving yourself or whatever other party you're looking to serve. In this case, you could argue that he was serving all of humanity because he was turning over this very offensive, high-powered mechanized military machine uh to the good guys right so to speak and and so he he i think he had a fundamental understanding that the only way that i can undo perhaps he looked at it as the sins of his past or the sins by association is to put myself and and my crew and others on the correct path right to the this this element of of doing good taking this weapon out of the hands of a group of people that clearly 
wanted to use it for offensive purposes. But do we, I guess, do we all realize that? Or do, or, or are we by and large so stuck on and worried about the past that we can't pull ourselves away from it, right? And so that kind of destabilizes us and halts progress towards action, corrective steps, whatever you might want to call it, that then it doesn't erase what we've done in the past, although some might argue that it does, depending on to what level you, you, you quote, do good. I, I think it's, again, out of my filters, as you know, I, I'd, I'd see this very much as a... Um, spiritual change for for Ramius, right? Even though I, I I assume based on that that particular era of, of Soviet government and and military, you probably had mostly atheists and and the like that were gathered. But who knows? You know, uh, for the for the Vilnius school master that he was, right? I, I, maybe he having grown up in Lithuania was was of a different ilk, but. I think that that's interesting as well, just in terms of the metaphor uh, in his change and his metamorphosis in the movie. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I mean, to not put too fine a point on it, I think it that's kind of where Clancy veers off into the sort of romanticized terror of the Soviet Union, you know, that there's this, like, you know, everyone's forced to do this thing and be the same way, and it's like, I don't know if that's really, that was really true. Um you know, obviously I have different opinions there, and I'm not trying to romanticize it at all. It was absolutely a totalitarian government, et cetera, bad thing. Um, but I think to some extent that the the question of, like, whether one could sort of profess faith or, or you know, have it or be without it, and I, I feel like the book doesn't really, again, add any real insight here. Um, that, like, I think, we, I think we kind of presume that somebody who's wanting to leave... Uh, we, we have such a sort of trumped up, uh, pun unintended, um, uh, imagined reason that people come to this country, right? That people flee, you know, the pilgrims fleeing, you know, for in order to, you know, practice their beliefs. Uh, you know, I think it's the same sort of thing that he's kind of, we you know, Clancy puts on Ramius, that there's this kind of ability to live one's life more fully. Um and I, I think he's, you know, to some extent, I think that is his kind of journey. You're right, that, like, there is that transformation, um, you know, that he's gone through and I think, you know, triggered by, as I think um, Jack Ryan sort of is the one to figure out, that triggered by his wife's death, that he's in such a state of grief um, over something he couldn't stop, over who knows, he probably spent an entire career you know, out at sea, um, you know, not at home, and, you know, suddenly she's gone, and now he's seeing the full extent of sort of villainy, right, of, of this weapon. Uh, never questioning, by the way, whether or not, you know, the opposite superpower had ever considered building such a thing themselves, um, <laughs> which which is a little bit of a discussion that, go, that goes on with Jeffrey Jones's character, right? When he sort of, he's like, oh, we, you know, we tried to work on this thing, but we couldn't figure it out. It's like, wait a minute, the yeah. Americans were doing the same thing. The Americans were trying yeah. to build an offensive weapon. 
It's a park, yeah. you know. Uh, you know. Yeah, and, 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 you know, I don't know if they're talking about the propulsion system or the, the, the weapon piece of it, because it's really, you know, in this, in this instance, the propulsion system, it just so happens to be attached to a nuclear submarine. Sure. Right? So, uh, and, and the... You know, Connery, to me, in this movie, plays a very sort of subdued leading man. Kind of a co-lead, right? Uh, In a movie of almost 100% men, I think there's one female role. I mean... And that's a bit part um, Alec Baldwin's wife. Oh, yeah. (laughs) In the movie for maybe like... 30 or 40 seconds so it's a it's a largely an all-male cast and you know he is very even keeled you know deploys his intellect understands and appreciates what ryan is trying to do and i think in the book as well as in the movie he pulls it off by this you know this intuition you know what kind of reading the tea leaves and you know, understanding. Oh, this is what the American is trying to do, right? He's trying to, he's trying to communicate me that uh, just so happens that they've hit upon the right person uh, within our, uh, you know, within the United States government to to understand and, and appreciate what Ramius is trying to accomplish. I, I think again you know getting philosophical or spiritual however you want to look at it it's interesting how sometimes things not in a predestined way but how things turn out right Mm. so if you're trying to make this transformation and trying to move away from you know there'll be no going back i'm not going to go back to the way i was and is that really what that you know we'll never know uh, Clancy's dead and you know he was a writer of military books and so did he ever get that deep in terms of philosophy one will never know but certainly it speaks to Ramius's character to Ryan's character and how they are brought together in this and, and I think that that's all very interesting as well yeah, I mean, I think to to an extent the mo- the movie at least I can't remember from the book. It's I think it's been longer since I've read the book than I. I yeah. Uh, um, but there's kind of a, a breadcrumbs that he leaves, right? The, like the date that he leaves, the dates and things that he chooses to do certain things, are like I think kind of sort of at least subconsciously meant to signal to someone that this is what this is to anybody who's noticing because he's gonna know that the americans are figuring out that he's he's left you know uh that he's out there someone's gonna find it even if it's completely silent like he can't just show up in you know somewhere and and you know pop the hatch and be like we're here like that's not gonna happen right so he knows he's gotta at some point tangle with somebody who he has to openly say we wish to defect to um, it's kind of interesting, like, you know, in terms of international diplomacy, like, that would be the way to do it, is to show up, you know, hands up and say, you know, I, I, you know I'm seeking asylum. Uh, at least that was the way that it used to work. And uh, I, I don't understand why that wasn't his plan to begin with. 
Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> just show up and say, hi, we're here, and here's this boat, and by the way, I sent this letter. Uh, there, There's probably somebody who's like two days behind us. Uh, you know, do something. We're here now, and we're your problem, you know. Um, you know, uh, I... One of my favorite scenes, and I think it's a lot of, I imagine a lot of people who watch this movie really love it, is that great scene um, with Connery and Sam Neill where they're sort of discussing what life in America must be like. Like, that you can go between places without papers. Um, you know, that, yeah. that sort of... Montana. Yeah, yeah Montana. Montana. Um, you know, I, I love... Uh, one of the things that um, one comes back to in sort of... Um, Russian and you know other European sort of texts and things is as much as we sort of romanticize the American West, so does everyone else. Like it's this like place of just like openness and grandeur, and you can live your life. And you know, I think we sort of have that. I think we still have that vision in this country, right? That like you know, uh, go west, young man, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I I think it's just a great scene of this you know, what will life in the new world be like as opposed to the lives we've been leading uh, that have gotten us here. And uh, it's interesting. I'm trying to remember, and I, I, I like I said I, before, I think I'm going to track it down and try to watch it again. It's been a long time. I feel like as much as Sam Neill's character uh, sort of stifles dissent in the moment that uh, Ramius says he's sending the letter, I think he's concerned as well. Um, oh, most okay. definitely. Yeah, he expresses yeah, he that does. right okay. after the after the other officers leave the mess. He he kind of you know he's looking for assurances from Ramius yeah. that kind of is everything going to be okay and uh, you know so again I, I think that it's in that sense it's a it, it's a great struggle in terms of, you know, you, you spoke about it, you know, this, this land of opportunity and freedom and the open frontier and, and the like, and something that they've not known their entire lives, right? Uh, yeah. Perhaps Ramius knew a little bit or had a taste of that in terms of the character's backstory and growing up in Lithuania and, you know, fishing with his grandfather and, and, and all that it gives you that same, you know, sense of the open west and this would be the open east i guess uh, and, <laughs> which, which and is only so, western russia though western russia right so <laughs> and by the way i cannot because this will be the fourth straight uh, week that i mentioned Dwayne. i cannot <laughs> wait to get his feedback on this because you know he is a uh, he's a big fan of the movie and he's obviously very well versed in in Russia and the language and, and the like, so it'll be interesting to get his feedback. So, um, but with that said, what's the what's the question? Yeah. Um, so I was gonna uh, I was going to ask you. You uh, you made quite the purchase this week, um, and I'm I'm kind of curious. We we spent a lot of time discussing you and I sort of um, you know aesthetics, but we also discuss want and desire um mm. you know i don't think you can I, i'd like to hear you justify <laughs> uh this is so this is not a question it's it's a it's a condemnation i would love to hear you justify <laughs> to me why yeah. you got something more than you need um 
you know, and, yeah. and you don't have to. Uh, I, I, I'm giving you well, a hard I'm, time. I, I, there, there's, there's no way that I can justify that. Um, so, you know, in terms of human scale, I can't, I can't justify it. Sure. So, you know, I, I'll tell you where we were, and that we probably actually came down a little bit. Okay. Um, in terms of need and want and all that good stuff. So we we bought a new car this week for all of all, for those of you that don't know. Um, yeah, our car was coming off lease, so it was, it's the only car we have. So it wasn't like you know we were doing anything um, gratuitous in that sense. You know, you you got to have a car. Although right now I could have probably gone without a car and been fine, um, just because we're not doing a lot of driving. But I don't know when that's going to change. Regardless, uh, so we had a uh, one would say a, a, a luxury vehicle before. And we really wanted to get a Tesla. That was just wanted to get an 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 EV, and for many different reasons, you know, one because obviously, hopefully, there's less use of, of fossil fuels, less burning of, of of the same, release of you know greenhouse gases, so forth and so on. And so we were looking at the why, and. It, it, it's had a lot of issues and so and coupled that with the fact that the closest service center is about three hours from here just trying to wrap my head around that from an intellectual perspective you know logistics all that I just couldn't pull the trigger so we had we'd actually put in an order for one I canceled that order and so we were looking at a lot of other things mainly hybrids uh, there aren't really any other EVs that either are available or that I would I would get. So we had several options, uh, and there are some non-EVs that get good gas mileage, the better than what I have, right? So in terms of what we purchased. So let's just say that the the delta between a Y and what we got percentage-wise is probably. 20, 22%. We went down from the Y. So, you know, could you argue, well, it's actually an improvement, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I, it did better. You know, the, <laughs> right? the, the, from a dollar sure. perspective. From a dollar perspective. Yeah. Well, I mean, my, my issue is not, I, I frankly think you should, you should have nice things and it's okay to want them. Uh, but you've spent yeah. the last decade plus in a place, this is a, a discussion we've come back to a lot and I feel like we should really have it out on here at some point. Um, yeah, you, no, this was a good topic. We, and, 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 I'm, and, and, you know, the... Go ahead, I'm well, sorry. Well, so you've been going to... Or it, now electronically before it was in... in ten, ten years. Ten years, Vedanta. Vedanta. Yeah. Um, where, you know, we would... Uh, for, for our listeners, the ARP would go and sit uh, in, in a multi-million dollar home being told that they should, you know, not be so invested in their earthly... Enunciation uh, and yeah. action, right. It, and it's, and I, I would go to this, uh, and I, I did enjoy going, um, if anything, because it strengthened my <clears throat> resolve in the other direction. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I, I just, we would go and we would listen to these people, and, you know, I, I think, I think you're, I think Gautamji is, is, you know, uh, right, you know, straight on the line, I, I totally am, I buy into it, etc., um, but I just, I always found the sort of disconnect between the way these people, all of you, uh, you, you and me included, 
um, we're living talking about like, oh, well, you know, don't feel, you know, uh, you know, attached to the to the objects you own. Uh, and, yeah. and meanwhile, you know, there's this, you know, you walk out and like, you know, our crappy old Subaru would be out there among this like sea of like Beamers and, and really nice cars. It's like, so yeah. is this just to make us feel better? Is it this kind of question of my life is still empty despite the fact that i own these nice things not saying that that's the case for you i don't think that is the case um yeah no no it's it's a great point you know i think that there's you know several things and you know even today you know when we so we drove home we were tired i'd been dealing with the dealership and everything on friday so we just we literally drove I think it had 27 miles on it when I got home and had 32 miles on it. So I didn't, hadn't driven it very much. And so last night we went out for a little drive down by the lake and, and just a little, just a little thing, just, uh, my wife and I, and, and my wife and me, my wife and me. Uh, and, me. and so we, yeah, we, we, got home and you know I sat in the car and set up everything and it's got a lot of electronics and and whatnot and and so I did that and actually in the middle of that our cousin called and so I talked to him and, yeah. uh, for like 30 minutes in the car as I was plinking around and you know the, the there's a couple of angles on this so it's absolutely okay to have possessions yeah right even in this context of vedanta and trying to get to the self and and all that it's this concept of possessiveness that is what you have to work on so you know it, it it's it's that and and i can you because it's a brand new car right and so you can feel it's like it hits every pothole it hits every little bump you're like you get a twinge in your heart and and my guru or teacher, Gautamji, is like, that's that's the part that you've got to work on. It's not the fact that you have the car, but that whatever happens to the car, you see the car as an extension of yourself, of your own ego, of your own being, your own materiality. That's the part that's the problem. It's not the fact that you have a Lexus or whatever you have. It's that you are pos- your possessiveness about that thing. And the fact that whatever happens to it happens to you. And ultimately, he always tells the story of another student of his that got his dream car. I believe it was a BMW of some sort. And, you know, he had talked about it for a long time. And he was, you know, just enamored with the whole concept. And then he got it. And then like four or five days later, he called Gotham G up. And he says, you know what? It's just a car. And... Not that that makes him a saint, or not a saint, uh, but you know the reality is it's a nice car. It gets decent miles, better than what I had before, which and I had the same make before as well. And um, you know we could have spent less, we could have spent more, and so I'm I, I can't justify the choice that I made. Sure. You know we we got a. We got a smaller car than we were going to get. Um, it's still got a lot of bells and whistles. It, look, it's a nice car. I'm not don't, 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 you. don't. don't. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's not, and I don't feel guilty about it. At that's all. good. Um, you know, we 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 got a um, we got a good safe vehicle that gets good gas mileage, that hopefully gets us a little bit 
this is our first hybrid a little farther down the road in terms of hey when uh, I, I absolutely expect many of the typical name plates that you see and badges that you see you know Mercedes, BMW, Lexus, Toyota, others hitting the EV market over the next three to five sure. years. Absolutely going to happen, yeah. right? I think the infrastructure is going in. I think the technology, you know, I, I think the the turning point is is when we hit a 500-mile battery, one charge, that's going to change things. And you can keep the costs under $40,000. Yeah. If you can manage those two things, I think you're going to see a... a, a a shift in in buying habits and things like that. Right now, folks are like, you know, it says three fifteen or three twenty in terms of the range. Mm. I'm really only going to be able to get about two sixty to two seventy yeah. based on the way I'm driving, and that really doesn't even get me three hours, maybe four hours somewhere. Whereas I'm I'm used to being able to go in my gas guzzler, I can go. And in five minutes, I can fill up and be on my way. You can't fill up in five minutes yeah. on a on an EV. You've got to wait at least twenty to thirty minutes before it's back to an eighty percent charge. So, I I think that that's the that that's going to be a, a sea change uh, for for the the market for electronic vehicles or electric mm. vehicles. But I, I think we're probably three to five years down the road on that yeah i mean the admonishment is not the actual purchase um it's i i'm i'm thrilled with it i'm, I'm really happy for yeah. it um it's more the like i've been listening to you talk about you know your attachments and this and that for the last decade yeah, yeah. it's like oh but i still went and got a nice thing uh but i you know i i, for, I don't really believe you you know when you say like well you know you're still gonna feel it like you don't tell me you're not gonna feel oh it. i do look i was driving around last night and we were hitting little bumps and, and and it was more you know i think a criticism of just how well the vehicle is built right so sure. is it is it do you feel everything because the suspension is that taut and it's a little different you know the 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 sedan we had before it sat lower to the ground so it, it had a lower center of gravity so you didn't feel things as much no. it was a little heavier vehicle and so you know that versus you know you you still feel like oh my god i hit a pothole and you get this you know angina that <laughs> happens in your chest and and that's the problem it you know it's not the you know could have gone out and bought an $80,000 car if I really wanted to live in it, yeah. right? Uh, but the it, it's it's not necessarily that piece of it. It's the fact that you have this possessiveness about it, that you see it as an extension of your own personality. That's where it starts to get complicated in the context of Vedanta, yeah. right? And everything that you've mentioned about having learned everything over the last 10 years uh, that I have. And, and really, as we've talked about in one of the earlier shows, having had that sense for a very long time that this was a direction or a calling or whatever. Um, I'm, I'll, I mean, look, I'm, I'm excited about driving it and having it and having a little bit more space. That was another reason we got it. 
just to be able to haul things in, uh, back and forth down to uh, Auburn, War Eagle, Plains, yeah. um, War Dame Eagle, that sort of thing. But, yeah, I'm not, uh, you know, it's a good boat. I like it. Mm, yeah, well, there's no going back. There's no going back. This podcast is available from Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Overcast, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify.